I'm Austin from PopXCast, a pop culture podcast part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 179 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we get into a bunch of little things about podcasting that you probably take for granted. In this week's Better Podcasting download, we have a twofer. My experience with the Rodecaster Pro multi-track SD firmware and Overcast adding audio sharing. In this week's Better Podback, we reveal which microphone I used in which segment last week. Finally, we want to help out a fellow Gunna Geeker with a poll that they're running. Lauren, start the show now. This week, SP's using two mics again, and there's this Inception thing going on for the video viewer. Welcome to Better Podcasting, a show where we talk about podcast tips, tools, and best practices to help you succeed with your podcast. What makes us different? Well, just like you, we podcast purely out of the love and fun of it. Podcasting is our hobby, and we recognize that it's yours too. We always encourage your questions and feedback, and you can find all of our contact information at betterpodcasting.com. Here's your host for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to episode 179 of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen John Drew, and I am pleased to say that again, Stargate Pioneers here. Hey guys, how's it going on the road, but here to podcast on better podcasting. It's fun to take some time off when I'm taking time off from work, but I'm not really because I'm traveling for work. I don't know. It's all confusing. And just to be clear, when he says he's on the road, we are not talking about a Rode Mike's product of any sort that he is on right now. There's no piece of road equipment anywhere near him while he is on the road. And I'm not actually on a physical road either. There's no asphalt, pavement, crushed gravel. It's a hotel room. I am traveling for work. I'm completely lost. But uh, one thing that sometimes happens to you to get yourself lost. Yeah, you see that segue there uh, is screwing up your podcast. Sometimes that happens and you make mistakes. Things go horribly, horribly wrong with your podcast. And you say to yourself, I do not give up. I can fix this. And this is why we have a segment we like to kick things off with every episode called How I Saved My Podcast. Now, when we don't have a How I Saved My Podcast story, we do like to dig into the ether of the internet and come up with what we call a How I Could Have Saved My Podcast, which is what we were very well planning to do today was to talk about one of those stories until none other than Stargate Pioneer came up with his own how I Saved My Podcast story, and we'll turn it over to him in a minute, but I just want to clarify, at the beginning of this show, this segment that we do is for you, the listener and viewer. So if something goes wrong with your show and you manage to fix it or come up with a creative solution, send it in to us, to podcast at betterpodcasting.com because we really like to highlight this so that everybody can learn together and we can all help each other feel some comfort when we are feeling down and out because something went horribly, horribly wrong with our podcast. So how exactly did you save your podcast? Send that to us, which is why Stargate Pioneer is going to go right now and tell us how he somehow saved his podcast, which is this podcast. 
Yeah, so I checked the internet before when we started, and it just wasn't good enough for a video podcast. You would have had to have a still image of me in the background as I was speaking. So I went ahead, I bit the bullet, I bought the faster, higher speed internet in the hotel room, just a podcast. So you could see my smiling face and Steven wouldn't have to replace me with a picture of me going something like this. For the audio listener, he is SP is actually frozen on screen, trying to freeze with his thumb up with a smile. And it's just awkward for everybody involved. It's a good thing you're listening to the audio side of things. But yes, this is an example on how sometimes things come out from left field that you don't anticipate and you got to make a decision and roll with it. And I do want to say, SP, I do sincerely appreciate you doing that because it does help keep our video product that we have. Yes, we do have a full video companion to the show continues to go. And so we we do have that wonderful Stargate Pioneer video feed for you. If you are watching that this week. Send your thanks to SP, tweet him at Stargate Pioneer. And I heard that it cost him uh, $30,000 for one day's worth of internet. So if you want to chip in, feel free to send him uh, a couple thousand dollars uh, just to, to say thanks to him for that. Just to clarify, that's 30000 Canadian dollars, which is <laughs> roughly about $6.95 American apparently today. So if you have a How I Save My Podcast story, it could be as simple as this, or it can be a lot more complex. Please send it in to us, and if you can send us a video, we'd love to include it for our video viewer. But let's go ahead and move on to our featured segment. We do hobby podcasting for the hobbyist, and one of the reasons we do it is so that we can help other hobby podcasters get going. We both do podcasting out of the passion for podcasting. We both find it extremely fun, rewarding, and just plain enjoyable. However, the reality is that sometimes podcasting can be a little daunting. In fact, that's why we actually did episode 78 of Better Podcasting about 100 episodes ago, titled The Cruel Reality of Podcasting. We did that episode not to discourage people from enjoying podcasting, but to help frame your mind of what might be needed to podcast. Although we went through a lot of broader topics in that particular show, such as getting listeners, early episodes not being great, and how you aren't doing podcasts for fame, we didn't tackle some of the small things that we think is beneficial for podcasters to know when they start out. And that's exactly what we're going to try to do today. This topic was inspired because recently we've seen a couple of posts and a couple of comments on our Discord server about what some of the daunting tasks that people discovered when they wanted to start podcasting. Again, this is not at all to help deter you from podcasting, but instead we're doing it to help you prepare for your show. Even if you're a seasoned podcaster, we think this also helps you a little bit about some of the little things that you do every week and you just may be used to doing and might be numb to. We're hoping it not only gives you a chance to think about what you're doing and maybe some ways you can look at it differently, but more importantly, give you a chance to pat yourself on the back, acknowledge your hard work, and give you a little wind in your sails as you move throughout the year. Yes, we're one month away from it being halfway through the year. That's just amazing to me. So we're going to divide this episode, the segment into some key areas. We're going to talk about preparation. We're going to talk about recording. We're going to talk about editing 
and we're going to talk about some miscellaneous stuff along the way. Steven, why don't you start us off with the preparation? All right. So we're going to start with the prep side of these small little things of podcasting is finding a place to organize your thoughts and knowing that this may not be a one and done situation. Yes, over the years, we've seen a variety of podcasters use a variety of different utilities to help organize their thoughts for their podcast. Some examples of this include Google Docs, Google Sheets, Trello, OneNote, Evernote. Heck, we've even seen people use the elusive pen and paper to keep notes for their show. Now, here's the thing. Every single one of them who have mentioned every single one of these methods swear by their method. And there is a common similarity, even though they're using different methods. It's that generally speaking, they basically don't keep just one utility for every single purpose of their organization. Yes, this is something we want to highlight that as you podcast, you'll likely find that you may need to use multiple utilities in order to help keep your thoughts organized as your podcast grows. But furthermore, depending on the type of shows that you do, if you have multiple podcasts, you may actually find that different utilities work better for different shows. A good example of this is if you do a solo podcast, but you also do a podcast with co-hosts. A solo show may use different organizational tools than a collaborative show, and that might just come down to the fact that for a solo show, you find one utility works really well for you, but with somebody else, it doesn't work so well with them. The tip that we've got for all of this organization of your thoughts is to try to keep it simple as you start and avoid using too many tools as you begin. Even as you feel that you might need to use another tool, take a look at what you're using now and see if you can basically use that instead of using another tool. Because if you add too many utilities, you might need a utility to organize your organizational utilities. So definitely take a look at what you're using before you add to it you'll probably find that eventually you'll reach a point that, yes, you do have to expand to something else, but keep this in mind as you work through it that the less utilities that you have, the easier it will be to keep your thoughts organized in one place. But it's also important to consider that this is ever-evolving. Even though you might find that you've got a perfect set of utilities all laid out, ready to go every single episode, as your show goes on, you might find that that need changes a little bit. And the best example that we've got here from ourselves is last year, or maybe it was two years ago, we added a utility to our organization process here at Better Podcasting called Trello. We've largely used Google Drive-based services to keep our thoughts organized since we launched, I don't know, what was it, 30, 40 years ago? Uh, what? Is that Canadian math again? <laughs> it was October 2015. <laughs> All right. So since October 2015, we generally have used Google Drive services. But last year, we found that we needed to add Trello just to sort of keep a point that we could just quickly spitball ideas to each other. And it's worked really well since. So while we do have most of our infrastructure still in play, we did add Trello to the equation. Next up in prep, what do we got, SB? We're going to talk about communication. 
No, no, really, Stephen. It's about communication. Oh, you know, get it? Communicating, yeah. podcasting, communicating. Yeah. So if you're doing a podcast with others, there's a massive amount of communication that is key when you prepare for your show. Now, even if one person is assigned to do the bulk of the prep, that has to be communicated to the applicable co-hosts if it's just one or maybe guest hosts or whatever, or multiple co-hosts. But it can often be a lot more than just the preparation. For example, who's taking what segment or what joke or whatever, what particular thing during the show is each person responsible for? How are you communicating ideas for the show? How are you deciding on what is a priority for your show? Like what topic do you need to talk about this week? What topic are you talking about a month from now? That sort of thing. Communication is such a key part of prepping your show. If you work with anyone else on any level, and it's important for you to find that system that works for you to do this. Some examples that we've encountered in the past are email, telephone, actually picking up the phone and calling them, uh, messenger, some sort of uh, IM program, comments on a document that can track communication back and forth, et cetera, et cetera. You can even meet in person to talk about it if you happen to live close to each other. Now, everyone communicates differently, so you need to find what works for you and your team. For example, Stephen and I know something is really important when we end up emailing each other. Now, we rarely email each other and because we chat all the time by Google Hangouts. So if we receive an email from each other, we know it's important. If we receive a call from each other, we know it's dang important. So we pick that up. And usually it's personal nature. It's not podcasting, but sometimes it's podcasting. So you just know the levels of importance to the communication as well. Now, our tip for managing this is to find the communication platform that gets the most response from the people who need to be using it and keep a pulse on the reaction of the people involved in the communication. If you're finding somebody that ends up becoming slow on a response for some reason, and it's just not working from your show, take a look to see if there is an alternative that might help you solve that issue and work better for you and your crew, then continue to use a communication method that just isn't getting the job done. Moving on to our next category, it's recording. This one could be an entire show's worth of content should we want to do it. I know that SP, you had a bunch of ideas in this and we whittled it all down to just a few key ones for this show. So why don't you go ahead and kick us off here? So you have to establish and adhere to a regular routine for the recording process. For example, are you connecting or meeting with the same time in the recording studio, getting ready to get behind the mic 15 minutes before, 20 minutes before, an hour, you know, whatever works for you. Every person in every show has a different time ahead of the actual planned go time. For us on Better Podcasting, we connect about half an hour before. That's when we connect. But generally, we both have gotten near our computers and started getting things together about 15, 20 minutes before that. And full disclosure tonight, because I'm on the road and I'm mobile and I'm using two microphones, I did take some extra time to set that all up. It just doesn't happen magically. There's time that's involved to prepare for the show. So once you've determined what works for you and your particular setup, this is something that is easily taken for granted. And it's a good idea to keep it in your mind in case you're going to go be a guest on or change the routine or have a guest on your show or whatever, or have something get in the way of your normal recording. But it's more than just leading up to the recording. What about after that? 
Is there a routine for such as sending the editor your files if you're doing the multi-track recording, which we do on this show? Or do you want to confirm what you're doing for the next show as in topic, recording time, where you're going to be, that sort of thing? There's a ton of stuff that you should do on a regular basis. Just get into whatever that routine is that works for you. Another small detail in the recording process that's easily overlooked is the exact position of the setup that you're using to podcast. No, we're not just talking about the microphone either. Everything that you do each show takes your time to get set up and and you got to kind of make it how you like it. Yes, it could be positioning your microphone correctly, but it's also things like having your notes where you want them, just getting things in a comfortable position. Yes, many podcasters are able to easily adapt to new situations, but anyone who has gone through the experience of changing their podcast studio or podcast space drastically will know that feeling the first week that you're using sort of the new setup. It just feels weird. I've been through this. I know SP's been through this. The tip that we have for you on this one is just to find time and make the time during your setup process to be able to arrange things just the way that you like it and try not to schedule things around it that will impede that. Because if you do feel uncomfortable in your setup, like maybe you've moved your notepad from one side to the other and you keep looking to that first side, it's going to come across in your recording because of the fact that either you're going to have to keep requeuing yourself or keep making mistakes or you're just not going to sound as fluid as usual. By the way, we have a tip for you. While you're getting through all of this process, you should consider making a checklist for yourself. Check out episode 71 if you want to listen a little bit more about what we think goes into a checklist. The next step in the recording process that we think is a small deal that gets overlooked often is the week-to-week maintenance of whatever you're recording to. Whether it's an SD recorder or an audio interface, you're recording your podcast to something. Even if it's using a web service, you need to download that file. Do you have enough space to do so? For example, when you delete it, when it gets full or replacing SD cards, having backups in case something goes wrong with those files is probably a good idea. Something like that. So the last thing we want to mention is something that we've had people who commented on who watched our live shows. It's how you sometimes have to do retakes or recues when you make an error on your podcast. Now, this is one that we've seen people be surprised on how time consuming it can take. This is because if you make an error, it makes it much easier in editing later. Now, this can seem like a pretty easy task, but it can be a little difficult to try to get used to and be able to keep a conversation and it sounding naturally all the way that you're resetting an edit point. Our tip for this is to try your best not to get down when you have to do them. Back up a sentence or two and go again, knowing that it'll make easier in editing. Remember, you can always trim the excess in editing, but if you have to bust out your recording setup again, just to add that little word or sentence more, it can become a real pain in the butt. And just for a variety of different reasons, odds are it's going to sound differently too. Yes. So I think that's a great tip. Definitely make sure to back up a little bit and give yourself excess and feel free to trim off the excess. 
Me what is it? Measure twice, cut once? Measure once, cut twice. That's what it is, right? <sighs> Moving on to editing, let's talk a little bit about our first thing, which is the fact that the process involved with getting your files prepared is something that you're going to do every single episode. Yes, whether you do a lot of editing for your podcast or just a little bit, or you're one of those people who do no editing, ultimately there's going to be a level where you have to prepare your audio files and transfer them somewhere, even if it's just from one platform to another. Of course, if you do edit, it's going to be getting even more intensive by getting those files ready to edit in your software. You'll need to get these audio files to a state that you're able to use them for the next steps. So if that is your audio editor, that's getting them ready for your audio editor. If that's just uploading it to where you're posting your podcast, it's that. This is a step that is something that will become very familiar with you, but it's easily overlooked. And there could be something else, like if you're using a Rodecaster Pro, you might have to take even further steps, like running the software to stitch together your multi-track files before you can even get them into your editing software. Ultimately, this is something that it's going to take you time each and every episode that you make before you get into the editing process, if you get to the upload processing, before you can do anything with that file. What we would suggest you do here to try to make it a little easier on yourself is to really use a standardized structure for your working folder and Keep in mind the quick access or the shortcuts options that are available on the platform that you use. Like in Windows, there is actually a quick access area within the file manager. You could actually have shortcuts themselves. If you can make yourself have a few less clicks as you go through and prepare these files, it just makes the whole process less daunting. I actually made some quick access folders or shortcuts on both my laptop here since I've gotten here. And of course, I've had them at home for quite some time. Just added one recently, and I was so glad I actually did it. Another item of the editing process that we want to highlight is the setup of your project file. For example, if you happen to multi-track edit, setting up your individual tracks, setting the effects on the tracks, configuring levels, etc., it's always great to have that template ready to go. And while it can be made easier by doing things like copying a project file week to week, there is still manual setup and configuration that while routine has to be done every show. Our tip that we've got for you on this is what we just said, create a project file or a template file that you can copy each week and modify the elements within it. Now using an editor where you can keep certain elements preloaded like the effects or volume levels, etc., it does actually make a big difference and saves you repeating all of this every single episode. And I have set up a template file a couple of times in the last nine months and so glad every time I did it has saved me a heck of a lot of time. And the last thing in editing is actually very editing centric. It's trying to match audio that as you go and you edit your podcast. This is something that you'll find is a little bit more difficult, but you'll get used to doing it. And we wanted to highlight it right now because of the fact that it is easily overlooked. Whether you're trying to edit out a section of what you said, or you're trying to use one of those retakes that we mentioned, sometimes it can be hard to actually 
match those edit points together. Whether it's the tone or it's the speed, these things can sometimes not edit very well. And the tip that we have for this as you go through is to experiment a little bit with what you're trying to stitch together. If you go and you edit something and you feel like it doesn't match that well and you have done a retake, maybe leave a little bit more in from take B versus the first time or the reverse and just try to shake it up and see if it matches any better. Sometimes just rearranging the point where you're making that cut can help smoothen it out. And these little things just playing with the audio to try to make it match you'll start to get used to it and it'll be uh, a no problem for you the next time you run into this. But again, you'll start to grow numb to it and you won't realize the hard work you're putting into your editing process. You know, Stephen, a little bit, a tidbit on that. I was just editing the audio portion of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 280, which was our review of the Avengers Endgame on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I remember I was editing on the plane and it just didn't sound right to me. So I actually went back and edited it again when I was in the hotel room, that same spot that I was trying to edit in the plane. And I ended up making different cuts that worked better that second time around. Some of it was because I could hear better because I wasn't in a plane. And some of it was because that cut that I chose to do the second time just worked better. So even as experienced as you and I are, sometimes it takes that little moment where you remove yourself and you come back to it a little bit later and you actually end up with a better project in the end. So some of the things that we wanted to talk about in addition to editing and, and recording and preparation are some miscellaneous stuff. And the first thing that we wanted to talk about was managing your inboxes. So as you're a podcaster and you've put yourself on the internet, we're going to find people that are going to reach out to you. But besides that, when you consider a bunch of the steps involved with podcasting, you may, um, may end up with your email address on lists because of media hosting, selling them or Apple podcasts, giving them out, or you just sign up for all these services and you get all these emails into you. And it doesn't always happen to be an email inbox. If you participate in other communities, you may find your other inboxes filling up as well, like social media, for example. And this is just people that are reaching out to you and it just builds up over time. This can really be a lot to manage depending on how many places you put yourself out regularly, especially if you've never had this experience before. Our primary tip for this that we have for you is to try to use folders whenever possible, mail rules, and also one of our favorite, if you've got a co-host, try to make things more group dynamic. Then you can pass some of these interactions back and forth and divide the load. Fun fact, Stephen and I often end up in a group chat with time zones. It's often possible that one of us is able to respond first, like me earlier in the day, Stephen later at night, but the group messages allow us both to respond where possible. And yes, sometimes Stephen does actually beat me to the punch. It's not often. It's really not often because him being an East Coaster, he seems to be aligned with most of the world. I don't know what it is about podcasting. It just seems like everybody's in the East. I don't get it's, it. It's so weird because you'd think that there'd be a bunch of people on the West Coast that would want to interact with people like you, Stephen, and uh, they do, but it just seems like it, it appears that everybody's East Coast time, where we really know Pacific Coast is really the, the right coast. We're, we're too laid back on the Pacific coast. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> 
Next in our miscellaneous section is file storage. After you finished for your episode, we think that you probably are going to go ahead and create some form of storage stru structure for your podcast. And we do encourage you to organize that if you're going to keep those files. We do recommend actually keeping those files because you never know when you're going to go ahead and need them later. And it's better to have the higher quality than having to go redown your MP3 and reinsert it. So if you come up with a organized structure for the files, then you'll know where to find them. And if you need to go use them or look back at them, or maybe you've transferred somewhere else and you need to re-upload them, you've got them in a place that is organized. Well, all of this organization of those individual files or the management of that file structure takes you time after every episode. A lot of people have a working directory for their, their mass amount of po podcast files that they uh, collected as they recorded their episode, and then they just long-term store their actual podcast. Well, you got to go ahead and move that if that's how you have it set up. But if you go and you find a structure that does work for your file management, it will also make it easier to back up when you back up your files. Our primary tip that we have for this is keeping a simple naming structure like BP00120151031, which if you didn't gather that because I said that fast, the first part is better podcasting one, and then the date 20151031. For a subfolder where you might go and stuff all of the files in there for episode one of Better Podcasting. Just a simple naming structure can definitely make it easier to manage those files. Lastly, we also want to mention one that might feel small in the grand picture, but it's really quite a big part of your show, and that's finding a way to be aware of what you've covered in the past. Now, this is more relevant for people that are doing evergreen content, but it could apply to timely content too. For example, with us here at Better Podcasting, we do what we can to avoid doubling up on topics unless it's intentional. So if you're in a niche where there's a lot of people who talk about the same content like we are in, it can be easy for trends to emerge for discussion points. When those trends emerge, it's easy for people to get a little lazy and convince themselves there's only a few things within the niche to talk about. Thus, they start talking about things they've talked about before now, while the reality is that if your podcast goes on long enough, there's a good chance you could accidentally cover something twice, but with a little bit of effort to keep track of your points, you can avoid this most of the time. There are some podcasters which have an amazing memory working of what they've actually recorded, and they deserve a lot of kudos in my opinion, but we suggest keeping a bit of a list somewhere that you can quickly reference. Even if it's just a spreadsheet with some titles and key topics for that episode, it makes it a lot easier to go back and look at your back content. And that's what we do here. When we're generating a topic and we get the sense that we've touched on that before, and that has happened within the past year, it's an easy tool for us to search, locate the episode in question, and look at the show notes, working docs, or listen to the episode that the topic actually appeared on. But whether or not you elect to do this, the reality is that most podcasters are at least considering their bat catalog or their past catalog, and that can take brain power. It might be a quick thing that you do when you plan your show, but it's a thing that can have a big impact on your show down the road. In summary, although there are a ton of other things we could have mentioned in this small 
Things episode. These are just some of them that came to our mind. So we might actually revisit this in a future episode of Better Podcasting because really that list could go on for a very long time. So we want to know what sort of small little things do you do each week that are easily overlooked and that you would probably tell somebody who was starting out podcasting for the first time. Get in touch with us through any of our ways. You can email us podcast at betterpodcasting.com, tweet us at betterpod, or head on over to facebook.com slash betterpodcasting so that we can add them to our Trello list for a future episode if we do cover this again. Because with a topic like this, it is an easy one for us to revisit the same general concept but offer completely fresh content, and we want to have you have a part in that content. Welcome to this week's Better Podcasting Download. All right, let's go ahead and kick it off with the Roadcaster Pro. That's right, this two for today, we do have two things going on. And yes, we are pleased, so, so pleased to be able to say that the Rodecaster Pro device, if you're not familiar with this, it is a compact audio mixer. It's recently had a firmware update that allows you to record every track individually, multi-tracked to an SD card. Yes, Rode has gone and updated the firmware, so it is finally an actual multi-track recorder. They can finally say that, yay! So if you are, I've been waiting for this. If you've been waiting for Rode to do this, because they have been saying they're going to do it for a very long time. They've, I don't know, what was it? Two months ago that they tweeted somebody saying their work on it? A month ago? Something like that. Uh, yeah, they said it was going to be out by the end of February, right? Right, right. And then after they came out with the multi-track USB, they came out and confirmed they were working on actually doing it to the SD card. So yes, it is finally out. And I have indeed had a chance to try it this week when Chris Farrell and I were doing the official geek.com show, I had an opportunity to, because this firmware actually came out on Monday and we record on Monday for that show. I ran home, I updated the Roadcaster Pro and ended up giving it a try and it seemed to work well for that. It did do what it was supposed to do and on the micro SD card, it recorded individual tracks for the different channels so that I could go ahead and extract those if I wanted to and edit in a multi-track fashion. I look forward to seeing how this firmware update works long-term. Maybe I'll have to rearrange some wiring so I can do it a little bit more, but I do want to note a couple of things that I saw with this firmware update, which is number one, the way that this works is it's using what's called a polyway file. So essentially all of the individual tracks are combined to one file. It's important to note this because a lot of the products that we've talked about before, like the Zoom H6 or the Zoom L12, when they're recording multi-track, they do end up having individual WAV files for individual track. With here, they use a single polyway file, which ends up essentially meaning that they have to go and split the files based off of the total file size. So like an example of this was this week for Gunna Geek Show, we recorded a 55 minute show and on the SD card, I had two individual files, meaning that I had two files that consisted of a bunch of individual tracks. 
So how did I export those and save those into individual tracks so that I can pull them individually into my editor? Well, you, you use the Rodecaster companion app. This is how it works. You take your micro SD card out, you still put it into your computer manually. And then when you open up the companion app at that point, you will see your individual recording session under the companion app. Within that, you can go and you can give it a name or a color or something like that so that when you're looking at your list of files on that SD card, you can kind of see them easily. But if you want to go and pull those files individually out, all you do is you right click on that specific podcast, you hit save, and then you let it export those and essentially stitch those files together into a directory somewhere on your computer. It is an all or none. So you either get the whole in a whole bunch of tracks in one folder or none at all, but that is how it works. And I do want to note this does add a little bit of time to the process, uh, give you exact numbers here. As I was exporting from that companion app to the folder, that 55 minute show took me just under five and a half minutes to export. So it's uh, an extra six minutes in my process as I'm prepping the files, not the end of the world, but it is something that I would have to incorporate if I was using the Roadcaster Pro on a long-term basis. So it looks like they finally got it going there. I haven't used it enough to be able to say how it works long-term. I'm assuming that they've tested this pretty well, but who knows? I will say this though, that um, in my brief experience here, what I found was that the digital drift, if you're not familiar with digital drift, essentially what it is, is because of the technical workings of every single clock, files don't always end up perfectly in sync from device to device. It's just the nature of the beast. I won't get too much more technical than that. But when I went and I imported the files, yes, I also recorded to my Zoom L12. What I found was that my Zoom product ended up being pretty much well in line with Chris Farrell's Audacity track because he was recording through Audacity on his end. So those were kind of in line. But what I found was interesting enough, the Rodecaster Pro ended up being more in line with my video recording that came out of XSplit. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how this works. It's not the end of the world either way. Either way, they were both not perfectly in line with my video recording, meaning I had to do a little bit of correction there to get, you know, timing worked out properly. But I just wanted to note those difference. I have no idea who is more accurate. Is it the road? Is it the zoom? I don't know. I, I don't really care to be honest, because they were both out either way. So I just had to, I had to fix it either way, but it was worth noting that it was different. So if you are, you know, um, used to like, let's say that you have a podcast with many people and you all use the same zoom recorder and now you're going to go ahead and throw a road recorder into the mix you might not have that sync that you had if you were finding they're pretty much aligned using the same branded product so i thought i would mention that there i look forward to seeing how this stacks up long term i am just happy to be able to say that it's out and it recorded multi-track to an sd card <laughs> exciting times now you mentioned a time frame that it took you to process the files in just under six minutes to get it going that is going to depend on how fast your computer is how much memory it has and all that stuff the how fast it can read the sd card so your mileage might vary on that if you're using an older or newer computer than steven's and it might not 
take as long or it might take longer. That was just a benchmark that Steven said that it's adding that much time to his workflow. The other major thing that happened this week that I saw, at least for hobby podcasters, and this is exciting for a lot of people that use iPhones to actually listen to podcasts. A lot of iPhone users don't use the podcast app to listen to podcasts. They use an app called Overcast. And when using Overcast, and I don't know if the camera is going to pick this up, but this is an example of what the Overcast screen looks like on my iPhone. This is episode 178 of Better Podcasting. And on the top right-hand corner is that little share arrow with the cup underneath it or the square with the arrow that goes up. If you press that, it brings you to a screen that says share link. It says share link at current time, and those have been around for a while, but it also says share clip. And then if you click the share clip, not only can you share just the audio only file, but you can create kind of what we've been terming as audiograms. So little video snippets of the show. I believe it's up to 60 seconds. That might change over time. It definitely changed with Clamor over the time of how long the clip is that you can take of it. And then you can export that in different video formats, the vertical video. Why would you do vertical video? I have no idea. So uh, portrait videos, that, that's what they call it. Uh, landscape video, which is more like the horizontal 16 by 9. And then just a square video so you can share it on Instagram or something like that. And just audio only as well. You can download this to your phone so you can upload it to social media. You can share the clip on uh, with a uh, actual uh, URL. So it's kind of useful. It's not as useful as Clamor was. I tried to make a actual little small clip of Better Podcasting episode 178 today. And in comparing to what I remembered with Clamor, there's no way that you can take the screen and go uh, horizontal to make it longer. So if you're dealing with a long track, let's let's just take Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 280 because it's a two-hour episode. And if I wanted to share a 30-second clip or 60-second clip on that, it's going to be really hard for me to zoom in and get those particular times in there. So it's not going to be exact. So is it as useful as Clamor? Hell, yes and no. It's got some differences, like you can actually download the file. It doesn't have the audiogram waves on it, but it does give you a video that you can then go and upload on your social media or on your website or however you can share it in an email blast, I guess, and can share a little tidbit of your show or somebody else's show. That was the benefit of Clamor is that your audience could share their big show. For, for you longtime listeners of Better Podcasting, there's two things that I used to use that I really liked. One was Blab, and Blab's been gone for a long time, and the other is Clamor, and Clamor has been gone for about a year, year and a half. I can't remember exactly when Clamor shut down. But after Clamor shut down, a lot of people were looking at where could I get audiograms made. We talked about it in an episode uh, a couple of months ago. This is the newest iteration in that. And sadly, as I alluded to, it is only on iOS. So all you Android users out there, you can't use this, at least for now. I'm sure there's going to be some sharing tools for your podcasts over on Android soon. And as far as Overcast goes, I really wish that they would make an Android version of the app because it is such a great app. I think it could be shared widely on the Android platform as well. But 
That's the two exciting things that's happened in podcasting for hobby podcasters this past week. You got the Roadcaster Pro finally getting multi-track recording to SD. You got Overcast coming out with the sharing of the audio slash video. And I think it's just been a fun week as far as technological advancement goes for hobby podcasters. Hold on. I'm just going to look. One sec. I'm looking right now at the window. It's a clear day. There's not a cloud in the sky. What are you talking about, Overcast? I'm confused. Steven, I know you throw a lot of shade to Apple, but there are still a lot of Apple users out there. And heck, if this could help you with your show, like say an Apple user wanted to share a, a clip from Gunna Geek. I mean, wouldn't you want them to be able to do that? I absolutely would, because I like when people do their PR for me. Let's go ahead and move on to our better pod back. This week in the Better Pod back, we've got a couple of things that we want to mention before we get to revealing Stargate Pioneer's mic selection from last week. And we'll go ahead and kick it off with a Discord message that we got from who, SP? We had a message from Music Got in Phoenix. And I said in mm, Phoenix because it's not and Phoenix, it's just the end. The mm, Phoenix. So Music Guy mm, Phoenix said, so if any of you remember me mentioning a beta of an iPhone podcast app that allows you to make an audiogram type clips, they've just released an updated version of that. It allows you to share those clips publicly now instead of just an app. Here's one I made of Stargate Pioneer and Stephen John Drew from Better Podcasting episode number 174 about best practices when making an audio clip. Seemed appropriate. Now, Stephen, did you actually listen to this clip? I did. I loved it. I loved every second of it. It Well, you should. It's all you. It's not me at all. And I'm not bitter about that. The meta part was Stephen was giving best practices of how actually to make an audio clip. So that was great. So Music Guy in Phoenix, your audio clip, that was just amazing. And uh, you can do that any day of the week and twice on Sundays. Just loved it. We also had a message from Josh Liston on Discord, and he said, for everyone here that has found the headphone volume to be lower than desired on your audience interface, try turning up your main mix level in the ID software. For some reason, I found that the slider was all the way down. Note, this was after a full power cycle for an OS update. So I've added that to my checklist for updating my Mac. Check that software and interface are communicating properly. The manual knob on the audience should change the headphone volume and value in real time. I know this is basic, but it's so dang frustrating when suddenly something isn't working and you don't know why. I really love this message. And uh, Josh Liston is from On The Bubble Podcast, if you want to check that out on the Gunna Geek Network. Um, what I really, really liked about this was it's a piece of advice that, you know, it, it was unprompted, right? You know, there wasn't something that our our discord was asking about you know what are some of the struggles you've had or anything like that it was just josh being super friendly and it's the type of community we're building over in the gonna geek discord and so if you want to check out that that's betterpodcasting.com slash discord and i'm hoping we get some more tips like this because you never know someone might go and have this problem and go oh i remember seeing that in the discord and then they can search and hopefully find josh's post 
Moving on in the Discord, I actually had a chance to ask Jonathan Bloom whether he was getting excited or, and as much enjoyment as I did by also being in the XSplit Discord. Yes, him and I have crossed paths over there, and we have been following as XSplit has been developing their next version, and I really personally get a lot of enjoyment out of seeing people report bugs in the test release of XSplit and have these bugs solved a little bit later by XSplit as they put out a new test release. And so, I don't know, it just gives me enjoyment to see a product that I've paid for continue to be developed. And Jonathan Bloom's response was, I do enjoy it as it gives me a look into what's coming, what's wrong, and what got fixed. Just sort of all sorts of geekery there watching bug fixes. Zachary Webb pinged us on the Discord channel yesterday, and he said, so I'm listening to BP episode number 178, and I prefer SP's mic in the main segment better than in the download. The audio is just clearer. Was the same mic used in both the download and the pod back? Now, Stephen responded at the time, and he said, we are not providing any information in any form until everyone gives their feedback. Wait until next week before we speak to any of it. Well, here's the laydown of what happened last week. We used the audio from the RE320 in the opening. We used the, uh, and this is live, by the way, too. We used the audio from the BP40 in the featured segment. And then for the rest, the download and the pod back, it was the RE320. So basically, it was just the same as what Zach was stating. Zach did prefer the BP40 audio. I really haven't had a chance to listen to it in multiple places because I've been traveling and on the plane when I had a chance to listen to it, I was actually trying to edit the uh, Avengers Endgame podcast from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. And my car, rental car here has different uh, connection points, so it's been difficult for me to actually listen to it. I'm looking forward to listening to it myself. However, I have been editing myself on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. old episodes in which I was on the 320 all this time, and I've been editing myself with the BB-40 on current episodes. I can clearly tell the difference, and it just depends on what you personally like. I know a lot of people like the less broadcast voice sound that I tuned the BP-40 to be. If I tuned the RE320, I can take out some of that bass and perhaps sound a little bit clearer, but I do like the RE320 audio myself, so I have chosen to stick with it for now. And Stephen, I'm interested. We did not have a chance to talk about this. I am interested which did you prefer honestly you know i will honestly say and i'm a fan of the bp40 for myself for my voice i think that i, I would give it i give it to the 320 for you i think that for your voice i do think that you sound a little bit clearer on the 320 and it it just adds a little bit more with your voice it, it, you and i have very different voices we've never actually met in person but i look forward to the day that we do and uh we hear each other and it'll be like Hi, I'm SP, and I'll be like, I'm Stephen John Drew, and it'll be pretty much what it will be like in person. And so, you know, for me, the BP40 works better, I think, than the 320, but I, I would say if I was to say, SP, you gotta keep one and get rid of the other, I would tell you to keep the 320 for yourself. 
I'm glad I have both. And I'm glad I used the last, I think it was three months or so. It went on a little bit longer than I wanted to on the BP-40. It wasn't as bad as I thought. The people that have given the BP-40 a bad rap, I, I think uh, if you have a chance to own a BP-40 over any other mic, like it's less expensive, you get it on sale, somebody gives it to you or whatever, it's a great microphone. I'd go for it. I didn't care for my plosives on it very much, but and then again, I was editing old episodes of the on the RE320, and I didn't care for my plosives back then because I was using the microphone a little bit differently. I did, over the time that I used the BP40, learn to be less plosively on the microphone. There is no... I know Stephen has a pop filter on his right now, but there is no pop filter that you can buy that's dedicated for it. Stephen actually jury-rigged some, so, and it's amazing what he's got working there. I don't think that the windscreen that you can get for the BP40 is as good as a pop filter can be on it. So if there was one shortcoming of the microphone, I would say a dedicated design pop filter for the BP40 would be probably about the best thing for the microphone. It's a, it's a good microphone, I'm not gonna knock it. And I enjoyed using it. I went back to it to give it a fair shake. I think it is a good microphone. I'm not gonna poo-poo it, but at the same time, I do like the RE320 on my voice better. You know, before we head to our final call out, I do want to go and actually acknowledge a big plus that the RE320 does have over several other microphones based off of what you just said. And honestly, Electro Voice, as far as I know, deserves none of the credit. And it's the fact that BSW sells that pop filter that you use and many other podcasters use for the RE320. It's a BSW product and it does do a really good job and it's the right size. And this is the problem you had with the BB40. It's the problem that you rightfully had also with the Rode Procaster. And it's the fact that there isn't a comparable pop filter that you can get for the 320. So it is a win. And, you know, even though it's a third party win, it is absolutely a win and it fits really well. It's low profile too. It's not one of those massive like ones that take up your entire podcast studio. I think that it is, it is a consideration people should have with the microphone. Obviously, as SP said, I've found out a way to do it. It's not perfect. It works with a little bit of ingenuity. You can, and I can't say that word, so we'll leave it at that. Uh, you can make one for your own microphones as well, where you can't get that filter. But yeah, it, it's definitely a plus if you're considering a microphone for sure. The two other things that I usually rate a uh, large dynamic uh, broadcast microphone on are its ability to reject side and rear rejection noises, ambient sounds, that sort of thing. I think the RE320 has a little bit of lift on the BP40 over that, but it's not as bad as the Shure SM7B. The other thing that I would rate the two microphones on is the proximity effect. And the Variable D technology in the Electro Voice microphones, the RE320 in this case, does make it a little bit better for me because I can go in and out of it. Like my back, my back's been sore for a while, guys. I've been I've been working on it. I've been actually stretching. I've been working out and that sort of thing. But sometimes I just got to move in my chair. And if I got to go back and forth for the microphone, you might actually hear a little bit of it in this podcast because I'm not using the RE320. Then you do get that proximity effect back and forth with the BP40. Is this as bad as other microphones? No, but you still get it above the RE320. And that is the big 
issues that you might have with the large diameter dynamic broadcast microphones, dynamic microphones out there. And just in full disclosure, yeah. And I'm going to be on the RE320 when I get back to the studio. And I, I, I like the microphone. I never put it away. It was always next to me. And I just was glad that last week I was finally able to get back to it. Before we close up, we want to give a shout out to Play Comics. There is a poll being run on Twitter, and it goes... Basically, by the time this release, you'll have a very little amount of time left to get in on this poll. If you head to at Play Comics Cast, that's at Play Comics Cast on Twitter, there's a couple of polls going on. The first one is saying, Just curious, podcasters, where do you keep your podcast promo? Why do you keep it there? And the options are various Google Drives, podcast website, shared upon request, or other. And the other poll that's going on is where do you look for promos to play on your show? Not necessarily where do you end up getting them from? So if I direct you to a Google Drive when asked, please mark that you asked for it. And again, this is various Google Drives, ask for it, podcast website, or other. So if you want to check those out, it's some interesting polls, and uh, I look forward to seeing the results as we record this now on May the 1st. There has been quite a few votes on the first poll there. I'm going to do what I can to help expose this to more and really get those data samples a little higher and get as many people to check it out as I can help do. But that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for episode 179 of Better Podcasting. I'm Steven John Drew saying I got a single mic only. Two weeks in a row, SP's had two. Maybe next week I'll have four. And I'm SP saying I'm curious what this is going to sound like because I can actually not listen to it live. See you guys next week. Bye. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of Better Podcasting. We want to hear from you. You can find all of our contact information at betterpodcasting.com. If you like the show, please consider giving us a five-star review in iTunes. We encourage you to check out all of the other geeky podcasts available at gunnageeknetwork.com. This has been a Gunna Geek production. Thanks for listening, and we will see you again next week. <laughs>